All right, let's read, let's start. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 30 tonight. We're going to start with verse uh, 19. Paul says, in Philippians chapter 1, starting 19, he says, Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not, that I will not at all be ashamed. But that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for it is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus." because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had and now here that I still have. So the word of the Lord's Philippians chapter one, verse 19 and 30. So I'm gonna focus, this is a large section of scripture, I'm gonna focus on it in four sections. And first section is just gonna be verse 19. We're gonna focus on verse 19 just for a little bit. Um, and we're gonna, hopefully I can get through all of it, we'll see what happens, see what Jesus does. Um, so that first section, verse 19, he says, yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. I want to focus on two words there in, in, that, in that text that bring some depth of meaning to us. Paul is, in this moment, rejoicing in what he knows. He knows something. There's an, and and we, we're, we're being introduced to a word, 
in the text, this is the second time that Paul uses it. He used it last week as well in verse 19, I'm sorry, verse 18 and, and, uh, and 19 are kind of, some people put a period where they should put a comma and it's like they don't know when to start, but we, the ESV does it correctly in my opinion. Uh, they make yes and I will rejoice for I know. They make that part of the same sentence, but the verse, it's actually attached to verse 18 instead of verse 19. It is what it is, but um, this word rejoice is going to show up another seven times in the rest of the book as we go forward. It's really an important word to Paul. He's picking something up for us. He's showing us something, and the Greek word is uh, kairo, and it's a verb, literally means cheerful, happy, well off, um, and part of a salutation a meeting or, or parting, or it can even mean something like Godspeed or joyfully rejoicing. You guys follow them? You guys rolling with me? So Paul's focusing, he, he, he's, he's rejoicing, there's, there's, some, there's joy happening, and his focus is on what's bringing him joy. And it's like he's given us, uh, to borrow an old title from a message that um, I heard years and years ago when someone was preaching through Philippians, they, Paul was, is giving us like a rebel's guide to joy. Like from, from here on out, it's like a rebel's guide to joy. He's, he's showing you what to focus on in the midst of, of when things are looking grim, he's, he's showing you what to actually focus on. Now, it doesn't mean that when you're going through something, he's showing you that you don't deal with what's going on and you just focus on something else, but he's showing you how to deal with what's going on and stay joyful and be, and be able to, to rejoice. He's gonna show us how to do that. So that word is really important. And then the other word in that, in that text, verse 19, is to know. And that's a really easy Greek word. It's actually I do or edo. It's a verb, and it literally means properly to see, to be aware of, to behold, to actually see something. To know something, perceive, to understand. So he's got this intense confidence during his imprisonment, Paul is in prison, right? We've, we've established that. And he's in Rome, he's in chains, he's attached to a Roman soldier, he's on house arrest. People can come and go and help him out and meet his needs and give him food, but he can't go anywhere. He's, he's shackled to somebody. And he's writing this letter to a church that he planted 10 years prior, which was in the city of Philippi. But he's got this, this confidence that, that you and I it just doesn't make sense in the moment when you're looking at where he's at, what's going on, you're like, man, that, yeah, it, it, that doesn't look like a happy situation, right? So he's confident in several things. We're gonna look at it in this verse, verse 19 and 20. He's confident that God answers prayer, both personal and communal. It says right there, for I know through your prayers. 
the power of prayer um, is, is incredible, guys. I can't even express to you in words how amazing prayer actually is. And it's actually something that's commanded of Christians. It's not, it's not, a, it's not an ask. It's not a God says, talk to me. It, it isn't. It's, it's really not. It's one of those things where it's, it's a part of your breath. At least, at least you should get used to that. You should be in a place of that. And that's, a, that's an encouragement throughout Scripture. And Jesus himself modeled that for us. James, uh, the book of James talks about the prayers of a righteous person avails much, meaning it overcomes a lot. But I've always, you know, I don't know about you, you know, I, in, in my journey, I've struggled with prayer, with, with, with uh, uh, the petition nature of it. Because nature, I mean, na- a petition of prayer can be something where we just think that it's a conversation with God that we're just constantly asking for something. But prayer isn't just that. It's, it's actually more than that. That's part of it. But, it's, but there's so much more. But I've, I've gotten stuck in that, in that place where I'm praying and it seems like I'm just, I got this laundry list of things I need God to do. Right? And it's not like he's, uh, he's upset with me because I do that or, or anything like that. But it's just where I'm at in the journey and he's like, he's rooting me on. He's, he's, he's bringing me along. He, he wants me to understand some, some nuances to prayer because I've prayed some things and I ain't got no answer yet. Anybody? And you're like, am I doing it right? Does this work? Like, what's going on? And Paul is in prison and he's saying, I know, I've seen it, I have this, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. We're going to get into the deliverance thing as well um, in, in a second, but I want us to jump over to Revelations chapter 8. Can you do that? One second. Can you run over, do you have a Bible? Sweet, jump to Revelations chapter 8. I want to show us something that's pretty cool about prayer. All right, so we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 8. It says, this is, this is John, a disciple of Jesus. He's on the island of Patmos, and he gets this vision from, from Jesus, and he writes down this book, and it's called Re- Revelations. It's about the end times. It says, when the lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Then I saw seven angels who stand before God. Seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and earthquakes. What you have there, I'm not going to get into the angels and all that stuff, but what you have there is a vision of your prayers and my prayers that actually are sitting before the throne of God right now. And in the last days, at the end of time, when when God is going to come back 
and he's, and he's gonna fix this messed up planet and restore everything, the prayers, our prayers, are gonna be cast down upon the earth. That's trippy, I don't know about you. It, 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 our prayers, my prayers, are in the throne room, on the altar of God, they're sitting there, and, and, and there's this incense and this smoke, and he's, the angel's gonna take the, uh, this, this stick, the sensor, whatever it is, scoop up something and throw it down to the earth, and we're gonna see ans- prayers answered. pretty interesting. I think the most important thing about prayer, or the most important place to start in prayer to understand this a little bit more, and I think even where Paul is at, is where Jesus starts when he tells his disciples how to pray. He said, my Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and thy kingdom come, and thy will be done as it is in heaven, right? Those prayers of the saints that are in line with God's will are gonna be cast upon the earth and come to fruition, which will be God's reign on earth, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what we're seeing. So Paul He's like, I, I, just, I know that your prayers and the spirit of Christ, that my, this is gonna turn out for my deliverance, right? And he's prayed for the Philippians. We, we saw how he prayed for them before in, in, in the verses leading up to this, this section. And now he's asking, the, he's saying the Philippians are praying for him and asking for them to pray for him as well. So he's confident in prayer, in personal prayer, that God's will is going to be done no matter what. Next thing he's confident in is in the help of the Spirit of Christ. He's confident in the help of the Spirit of Christ. Uh, we opened it up uh, a couple weeks ago. We looked at Acts chapter 16 in seeing the birth of the Philippian church and how Paul uses the phrase the Spirit of Christ told him not to go to this spot. The Spirit of Christ told him not to go to this spot. And then the Spirit of Christ told him through a dream to go to Macedonia where Philippi was and plant a church where he had a dream and a man came to him in the dream and said, come over here and, and, and teach us about this, this Jesus. So Jesus and the Spirit of Christ is the author of, of the missionary movement that Paul's on. Jesus leads, he's active through the whole process. I don't know about you, I think that right there he's showing us the bedrock foundation of, of his confidence. Yeah, their prayers are gonna, be, are, are gonna be helpful, they're gonna be fulfilled, God's will is gonna be done, but he's confident in the help of the Spirit of Christ. He knows that Jesus is at work. So because of those things, he's confident that God answers prayers. He's confident that God's will is gonna be done. He's confident the spirit of Christ is, is leading him. That therefore the confidence he's got is he's gonna be delivered. And 
This word uh, in the Greek, actually, deliverance, is sotera, and it actually means to rescue, to safety, to deliver, but it also carries with it, in the New Testament, the word salvation. You see it come up several times in the New Testament that this word is used by Paul to describe someone getting saved and giving, giving their life to Christ and salvation coming. So you got this, this dual view of what's happening here and theologians are kind of, you know, what does Paul mean by deliverance? Is he talking about getting set free? Well, yeah, if that's God's will. Well, is he talking about, you know, dying and being set free? Like, and, well, yeah. It's, it's both in, in this because he does want to get set free and he does actually say, hey, I'm going to come to you again. I know I am, right? But he's going he's gonna to carry on in the text and he's going to talk about life and death, right? We, we, just, we just read it. The reality of that verse really boils down to that he is confident that whatever and however it comes, he knows that the Spirit of Christ is gonna deliver him. He's confident in Jesus. Whether he gets set free or he meets his end on this side of eternity. And he's rejoicing. He's rejoicing in that. He's like, there's two roads I can get set free or I can really get set free, right? It's a, yeah, it's a win, it's a, he's showing us a win-win. Absolutely. All right, this, so that was the first section I, I wanted to look at. Second section of this text is verse 20. It says, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I think right here, Paul exposes some swagger. <laughs> He's kind of, He's kind of flexing a little bit. I don't know if you guys can feel that or hear that, but he just threw out some three more words, three more <coughs> Greek words that all kind of mean the same thing that, that come back to what? Eager, expectation, hope. What was it in the verse 19? Way back up here. I know. So he's, he's just like, laying it on thick. And this word eager in the Greek actually carries with it this connotation of somebody like reaching up their neck and looking over, looking over a fence and waiting for someone to come. It's this eager hope and expectation that I will not at all be ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul's breaking free from some chains in this, in, this, in this section, though he's in chains. He's locked away, but you cannot take away his certainty 
of what he knows about himself, what he knows about God. We just see this, ama- this intense conviction that what is happening is bringing about his deliverance, whether by life or by death. And he's saying, I, my courage is full. Yes, Lord? What was that? <laughs> That's why I was doing phone, phones go off. So he's got this intense conviction that Christ will be honored in his body. He makes this, de- <clears throat> excuse me, this definitive last statement that sums up really the, the, the whole of a believer's life and a believer's death in Jesus. To live is Christ and to die is gain. These beautiful words are really meant to be repeated daily all the way to our last breath. It's such a short phrase, but it carries with it this foundational theological truth that's in the historic faith. It's this great trade between us and God. If you will accept Christ and the work of the salvation of his forgiveness for your sins and believe that he rose from the dead, by faith Jesus now lives in you by the Holy Spirit. To live is Christ. Jesus said these words in John chapter 14, verses 15 and 17. He says, if you love me, speaking to his disciples, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. With and in. John chapter 14, verse 15 and 17. To live is Christ. There's a great, uh, a great, another great book that Paul wrote to a church called uh, Coloss, a church in Colossae, and the book is called Colossians. Chapter one, verse 27 says this, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, meaning, meaning people outside of, of Judaism, outside of Israel, how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I've heard it said like this, and I, I, I like to carry it on, that, that what you're seeing, what you're hearing is the radical relocation of God in the universe. It's the radical relocation of God in the universe living inside of you. It's not that he's not up there, where, wherever there is in heaven, he's there. But he's also here, and he's also here. It's the radical relocation of God in the universe. Christ in you, the hope of glory. To live is Christ. Paul says this again in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Speaking of Christ's death, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live 
but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Somebody say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, in some translations of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the earliest translations, actually that word says faith in the Son of God, the earliest translations say faith of the Son of God. It doesn't change the text that much, but it does drive home the fact that the believer, as you see in Scripture, is filled with the Spirit of Christ. And if you've been crucified with Christ and you don't live anymore and, it, and Jesus is living in you, his faith, his strength is encouraging you, is strengthening you, is taking you along. I've heard it said like this. I, um, I knew somebody that uh, told this story once. I'll never forget it. His name's Jerry Cook, and he's passed away now. Uh, he's with the Lord. But uh, he did some ministry to a Native American tribe in um, Texas or Arizona, and he spent some time there. And they had this big, this big games day in, in this one big Native American dude, he was, everybody knew him as Mr. Canoe. He was like the canoe racing master. And he walked up to my friend, who is about this tall, tiny little guy, and he was like, do you row? And he's like, yeah, I can row. He's like, will you row with me? He's like, uh, sure, yeah, I'll row with you. And so they get in the canoe, it's a two-man canoe race. Mr. Canoe, big Native American guy, gets in the gets in the back, actually first, wait, sorry, my friend got in the front, he got in the back, and the boat did one of these, because the guy was so big, and then they said, go, and they just started rolling, and he was just hitting, paddling the water, paddling the water, and my buddy Jerry in the front, his paddle never even touched the water, and he beat everybody, got to the other side of the lake, got out, shook his hand, and said, we won. We won. That is Jesus living in you. That's the faith of the Son of God alive inside of you, carrying you along in, in process. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, I just started reading this book recently. I read it years ago and I started going back through it again. Um, uh, it's by Dietrich Bonhoeffer and it's called The Cost of Discipleship. And it's a it's a... It's a really good book. It's a hard book to read. It's an intense story because against the backdrop of the book is his life and what he went through. And he was martyred under Nazi Germany, uh, being a Christian who stood against the Nazi regime. And he said something amazing. He says, the church is not a religious community of worshipers of Christ, but is Christ himself who has taken form among his people. Let me say that again. The church is not a religious community of worshipers of Christ. Now you're like, wait, yeah we are. Like, duh. No, but he, he drives home a deeper truth. He says, but it is Christ himself who has taken form among people. His people, I would, I would add. So we're not alone and we are indwelled by the spirit of the living triune God. We are his living representatives here on earth, filled 
by his spirit. This is where Paul is living. This is, this is, this is Paul's confidence to live as Christ and to die is gain. Let's talk about that just for a minute. I got, I'm gonna turn this on and to live is Christ. How, how are some ways um, we can live that out in, in, in our lives? When, when you hear that phrase, to live is Christ, and we see Paul and he talks about the troubles that he had, even planting that church in Philippi, you know, going to jail and, and experiencing getting beat up and, and then the church succeeding and being 10 years old and, and just cool stuff happening. What, when you hear that, to live is Christ. Don't be shy. So um, basically, to me, the first thing that comes to mind is sharing the gospel, okay. sharing the good news. Mm-hmm. You know, we're told to preach the gospel to every creature, and Paul's going around, and he's like, that's one of the first things that he does after the road to Damascus, right? He's like, man, I got to tell everybody mm-hmm. about this. Yes. And so that's to live as Christ. Yes. Is sharing the good news, is telling people, you know, at work, at school, at home, and not only that, but encouraging the brethren. You know, yeah. I feel like that's a Christ like quality, you know, we're to love each other um, as our you know, as ourselves and love God. And so in trying to be conformed to the image of Christ, I think that encouraging the brethren is definitely part of that. So mm-hmm. to live as a Christ is spread the gospel, encouraging being selfless, serving, sacrifice, even if there seems to be um, maybe like a potential negative consequence, like Paul going to jail, right? Something may be in your life where, you know, there may be a threat of some kind, you know, to try and make you quiet, to try and make you scared or something like that, you know? Um, But just to go forth and, and live by faith and not by sight, that God will deliver you through whatever that is, you know? And I think in that, you are living Christ-like. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's good. Anybody want to piggyback on that? To live is Christ. To live is Christ. Yes. Right here. You can pass it to her. Total surrender. Um, let everything you do be done in love. Uh, consider others before yourself. Amen. Let everything you do be done heartily with your whole heart. Do your very best that everything you do, do. Live for Christ. Amen. I love that. You guys taking notes on that? That was good. You too. That was, you guys are taking notes on that. Anybody else? To live is Christ. We are going to encounter next week, and we, could, we can look at it this week, too. We can read it right now. Yeah. Well, we're gonna, next week is going to be, we're going to encounter, I'm going I'm to do the whole section because next week we'll be jumping into uh, what is considered probably the earliest hymn or worship song about Christ. And so we're going to do the whole thing, but it is like theologically rich about who Jesus is and actually functioning that way. And, and Paul shows us on a, on a very, very deep level what, what it looks like. Yes, yes. He's leading us up to it. Right. How about, 
How about the other equation of the verse? To die is gain. The oh so gnarly martyrdom question. I want to hear what you have to say. The first thing that comes to mind looking at Paul's other imagery is like the race is complete. If we look at like 27, mm-hmm. it says you'll live your life you know, worthy of the gospel, live distinct, you know, endure suffering and stand. To die is gain from the sense like that's over. You, the race has been won in that sense mm-hmm. and you get to rest. Mm, I like that. Resting. In Christ, obviously. In Christ. Amen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Anybody else? To die is gain. I think that he is provoking a poke at us because he knows how fearful we are. Hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, I think he knows that we're afraid to let go of things and especially trust and do things his way, which is all wow. the things that we listed, right. you know? Wow. Mm-hmm. And so to die is gain. It's like realizing we have, if we don't have, I mean, Christ is, we have nothing. That's all we have to lose. Amen. Like, Amen. That's good. Yes. Trying not to. I was really trying to hold back. And like, no, don't give me the mic. Just don't do it. Uh, the, of course, this is like such a famous verse, and we oh, love dude, it. Yeah. And everybody loves to quote it, and so good. To, and it's one we could teach on forever, really, for eternity, and mm-hmm. probably still into it. But to that first part of to live as Christ is, you know, I like how you said, Eric, because like he's poking at us, and that's like I think there is a little poke there, like, hey. There's no such thing as uh, milk toast Christianity. There's no such thing as buffet Christianity where you get to pick and choose what you like. There's, there's mm-hmm. just, there's no alternative to all in and that's it. And uh, that's good. You know, there's, you know, we're not fans of Jesus. We're followers We're we don't sit on the sidelines. We're in the ring with them. We're constantly Amen. compelled to live that way to live is just Christ you know there's he's not a credit card in our pocket he's we are living for Christ and to live as Christ and and then there's this like then he throws this like it's like a paradoxical statement in there it's like well yeah it's all about him but then to die is gain in other words I I think this he's making this like this reality that's saying I get everything in Christ but I'm gonna get so much more like I'm not even there in this world. We're not even getting, we're not even close to it. And when we get to be with him in true form and true reality, right. it's going to be so much better and so much more. It's like, right. it's almost like, it's yeah, good. it's all about living for Christ here, but it's going to get better. Like there's so much more for us. So, Amen. That's so good. I like, I like, I really like that. It's like, you know, He's shown us that Jesus is Lord on both sides of reality. You know what I mean? Like uh, that, that, that's what I heard when you were saying what you were saying. I was like, whoa, he's, he's, he's Lord on both sides of reality. He, and he's like, 
to live is Christ. I'm alive, I'm in the flesh, but it's no longer me who lives, it's Christ who's living in me. And, and I know that there's a lot of people in the church, I'm not saying in this room, I'm just saying in general, I've been around the church for a long time, that, that don't have this experience, that need actually this experience. They need to be poked or they, they need to go, have I, yeah, I've said yes to Jesus and his, and, and I'm not positionally correct before God and I'm, I'm, I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places by my faith and his death and his resurrection for my life. But that, that, that lordship of my life. Now, I'm not trying to say that there's some second work of grace that you need to step into after you receive Christ. I, I, don't, I don't kind of adhere to that, but what I do adhere to is that Jesus is alive in you, and as you surrender to him in your life, your sanctification, meaning becoming more holy, becoming more like God, is in process. Does that make sense? And some of us, I know, I mean, this, is, this challenges me too. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, his, his, world is, he's, his world is really, really narrow. <laughs> in, in this instance, he's, he's in prison, but it, it, he's, he's saying, my life to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it, it, it's a challenge to us. And I'm not trying to say that everybody in here, I've said this before, not everybody in here needs to be the Apostle Paul, right? I'm not telling you to go out and, and you know, get get beat up for Jesus and go to jail or something like that. I'm, please hear me. I'm not saying that. But there, there is there's such a deep conviction in his life and being led by the Spirit of God to do what he's called to do. And you have, you have, right where you're sitting, time left on earth that God has something for you to do. And you will enter into it with the same Spirit to live as Christ and to die as gain. He's, call, he's calling everybody to live that way. And it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if, if it's at your job. I, I've always said it this way, you know, wherever your feet are at, wherever you're standing, church is on. One time I visited a church and they had a meeting and I was leaving to drive home and I came to the stop sign to go out on the main road and it said, stop, pray, you're entering the mission field. Whoa, that's so cool. Yeah. I love that. All right, let's move on. Wow, we only got 15 minutes left. Let's finish up with, with these last few sections here. Paul says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So he's, he's conflicted. He's, con he's, he's really convicted. He knows. He's like, this is what I know. This is what I believe. But then he's showing you, I'm conflicted. Like, you know, he's, he's, he's getting older now. He, he's, not, he's not some young buck in prison. He's, you know, who, he's, he's older. He's not, he's not 30. 
He's not 40, he's, he's above that. And in, that, in the first century, being in, in that situation, and he already went to prison once, yeah, man, it's just not, not a happening place to be. You know, you get ill really fast, you get sick, it, it's just, and he's like, man, I'd really like to not be here right now. I'd rather be with Jesus. Now, I don't think he's being sadistic and, 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 and disparaging of his life and saying, I hate my life and I should just rather be with Jesus. He's saying it's far better. It's far better to be with Jesus. And it is. It is. It's a foundational truth within, within our belief systems as Christians that it's far better to be with Jesus. It's far better. And I, you know, I remember back when my wife and I got married, I'm going to date myself now, but we were, we got married in 1999 and it was May of 1999 points for me, ching. And some of you in here remember this scare. You, all you young bucks and kids can check it out on the, on, on the internet, but Y2K, this thing came out and everybody was all scared and afraid of it that the computers are so dumb. They don't know how to transition from 1999 to 2000. Everybody was freaking out. The power grid's gonna go out. The water's gonna be bad. So people were tripped. Pastors were preaching on this stuff. It was crazy. And I was in the church, my pastor's like, you better do something. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but, you know, maybe get some water pills or something. I was like, what the is going on? So I went and got me a bag of beans. I was like, here we go, babe. I'm going to trust Jesus for five days. We'll live on beans, dried beans. But anyway. <laughs> so um, not that I'm against preparing for anything. You come to my garage, I'm very prepared for certain things. Um, but... Y2K. Why did I tell you this story? Yeah, Trying to, oh, trust in Jesus, right? <laughs> trust in Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like, why are we here right now? Why, did I, why am I telling you this story? Uh-oh. We're in the bushes. My name is Adam. Thank goodness. I'm in Lincoln, California. What's my phone number? No. Who are you people? But there was this, this, uh, this, everybody was freaking out. There was this distrust of, of, of God. And, and there was like, and in my heart, I was like, Jesus, I really don't want to be married to my wife only for six months and then die. Like, come on, man. Can you at least give me a year or two? I mean, she's amazing, right? Not, don't, I don't want to marry her and I only have six months. Come on. And that was like, that was seriously my prayer. How lame is that, right? Jesus was like, oh, that's so cute. I got so much more for you to do than that, my little man. But he loves us. He doesn't, he doesn't shun us even in our silliness, even in our questions, you know. He didn't, he didn't, you know, say, all right, you're off the Jesus bus. Get out. You're praying dumb prayers. Get out of here. No, he, he led me along because he loves me and he has a plan. And he wants me to get to that place where to live is Christ consistently on a daily basis and to believe that I'm gonna be with him when I stop breathing, I'm gonna be with him so I don't have to be afraid. So Paul's torn, right? But he's like, I'm convinced, there it is again. So he's, he's just a convinced dude right now. He is like, he's in chains but he knows what's going on. <laughs> 
I'm convinced of this. I know that I'm going to remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ because of me coming to you again. So he's just saying, look, you know, I really would rather check out, but because you need me. No, he didn't say that, but he's saying, for your progress and joy in the faith, you're going to see me again. He's encouraging them and saying, I'm, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there. And that's a good thing. And we know that it most likely happened because this is his second imprisonment. This isn't the final one. So he most likely did make it out there again. Nobody knows for sure. But um, all right, lastly, we're going to end with this. We got a few minutes here. It says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. And that is from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had and now hear that I still have. So the question, yeah, so the question is in regards to the text about um, that he's saying that you've been granted not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had and now hear that I still have. In this text here, he's talking specifically about the Philippians seeing him when he planted the church, getting beat up and getting put in jail. And then God did a miraculous thing, caused an earthquake, and he got set free. You can look it up in Acts chapter 16. And he's, he's showing them that, hey, believing in Jesus isn't just about, yes, Lord, I thank you. You love me. It's so great. And I'm going to come be with you someday. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And then my life is roses for the rest of the trip. I think, I think there's enough people in here, enough, enough life, enough living of walking with Jesus that a lot of you guys just know that that ain't true. I know that I thought it was for a second. I thought, you know, hey, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. I'm walking with God. I got the spirit of God living in me. And, and my life is going to go the way, everything that happens to me, I'm going to have a good view about. That's how I, that's how I kind of lived for a minute until some gnarly stuff started going down in my life. And I'm like, I don't know if I like you, God. I know you're real, but I don't know if we're friends. I don't know if you like me. Pointing back towards the text, it says right there. Uh, oh, sorry. I gotta go back here. Um, that you're standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side. So there's unity in the church about the gospel. There's unity in who Jesus is, who they are in their community. They're side by side and they're talking to their community and being active in their community of telling people about Christ and how their lives have changed, how they're no longer the people they used to be. Christ is now God. God himself is alive inside of them. So all this stuff is being said, right? 
and not being frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. So there's a, there's a piece that he's describing there within the equation of you sharing Jesus with people and them not being so happy about it, maybe even taking you to jail or, or beating you up, but there's a, there's a piece that's there in you. Now, I've never experienced that. I think I would have a hard time turning the other cheek, just personally, God's working on me. Can I say that up here? <laughs> Everybody's like, uh... No, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being worked on. I, 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 think, I think on some days I could and other days I couldn't. I'm just, yeah. You start with like, he's like in this swagger moment, right? right? Where he's like, but he kind of fades away from that and says, I'll be with Christ, but isn't Christ in him already? So like, I'm kind of conflicted in that space. Mm-hmm. Then he kind of takes a position that like, I could go there, but it's almost like a prideful thing of, Mm-hmm. Almost saying like, but you need me because I need to minister you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, no. which is kind of the way that the wording happens. That's sure. kind of what I'm like. Yeah. I could, I, could, I could see how you could kind of see that. But what, he's, what he's, he's exposing to us is the confliction within him that he wants to actually, he would, he would rather go be with Jesus. He'd rather just breathe his last and go be with the Lord because it would be way better than what he was doing right now, or even what he would be doing in the future. He thought, he just was like, and, and I think that he's showing us that that's the, that should be a thinking and thought process of every Christian. And that's kind of what I was talking about when I was saying, he's, he's showing us a dichotomy that's brewing in his brains. He's just like, maybe I'm gonna stay, maybe I'm not gonna stay. I'd rather go, but I'm gonna stay for your sake. And, he, and he's convinced, maybe Jesus told him, and he, does, and he didn't reveal that. Maybe the Spirit said, hey, you're going to get set free. And he doesn't reveal that to us. But you could still see that he's like, he's convinced. He's got this, this conviction and belief that he's going he's gonna to see them again. He's going to go and encourage the church. Now, is he blowing hot air? I'm not going to, uh, no. I think that he, his convictions in here are completely solid and rooted in Christ. So I think that that's really where he's at. And Christ is in him, just like you said. But he knows it, in other books, Romans and some other places, he talks about the flesh. And he calls himself the wretched man in Romans chapter 7. The wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this body of death? Right? And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ my Lord. Right? That he's going to save me from my sinful self in this wretched body that's, that's, just, going, that's just dying out. Right? So I, I think we all know that dying isn't, isn't, isn't a normal part of the, the experience. You and I were meant to live forever with God. That's why he's coming back. That's why he died on the cross for us, to bridge the gap. We can go be with Jesus. But he, he's going to change this world when he comes back again, and we're going to live forever with him. Forever. Say, say forever. Yeah. In a resurrected body that is a forever body. It's not a body that is corrupted by sin, like you and me. And he's like, I'm st- he, he's, he's identifying with being a human and saying, yo, like, I'd rather go be with Jesus. This is, this is, this is getting tough, <laughs> you know. Okay, so are you saying that Paul, at this moment in his life, 
Paul may feel like he wants to be with Jesus. Okay, not may, but he wants to be with Jesus, mm -hmm. but he feels that God's will wants him to stay for a while longer. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But he's, he's showing, yeah, he's, but he's showing us there's a conflict. He's like, yeah. he's like, I know that if I live in the flesh, it means fruitful labor for me. So he's like, he's reconciled in his, in his mind, like no matter what happens, if I live, I know that to live is Christ, right? That's what he's saying. You, you, you hit it several times just now, but that question of pride, is this a statement of pride that he's making, is stripped away in that um, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because right before it, he's saying, whether I live or die, Christ is honored. Yes. So he's saying, I am going to live, and it's for Christ. This is my statement of humility in life. Yep. And if I die, it's for Christ. This is my statement of humility in death. Amen. So he's saying, this is, this is all about Jesus. It has nothing to do with me. I have this conviction, which Adam is saying, that Christ wants me to be here with you still for a little bit longer. Either way, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he does say, hey, I'd rather check out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is like, whoa. <laughs> it, is a, it is a switch. It's going to get better. But the statement he makes he says that statement, he says, it's necessary for me to be here for you. Mm -hmm. That's like a, a, such a selfless statement that I, th I, I, I don't know. I think it kind of like, it's almost like the, the hub of the whole, that whole chapter, that whole section. It's necessary for me to be here for you. Yep. Doesn't it say it kind of like that? It does says, but to remain in the flesh, it is more necessary on your account or more necessary for you that I stay. Yeah. Convinced and, of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Amen. And it's like what Robin so was the, saying. Is, it goes into it chapter does. two, like... Mm -hmm. Here's why, because this is what Jesus did. Yes. And this is what I'm doing. And who he is. You do the same thing. Amen. All right. Only men. So lastly is this. Only let, only let your manner of life. Oh, yes. Somebody. What I hear is that to, to live as Christ, to me, that's the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm just one part. I'm the leg. I'm the toe. I'm mm -hmm. whatever. And I think that he felt he needed to be there to be whatever part it was that he had. Yeah, I like that. I love that. Because he's confirming spreading the word of God. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, you know, to live is Christ. It, you're, you're completely identifying yourself with the death of Jesus. Because he's saying, I've been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ lives in me. Now, that's, just not, that's not just for Paul. That's the word of God for Christians, for people who love Jesus. That is the word that you don't live anymore. And that's the battle. That's the rub. That's sanctification, that we got to battle it out with God, with our flesh. That, that whole thing, you wake up in the morning, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, no, I'd rather do something else. La, 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 la. Right? Okay, lastly is this. I know I'm going over, but only let your manner of life 
be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Oh, I'm sorry. Lastly is this. Okay. We've already gone through that. I apologize. That is the, that is the last section. Um, the suffering, we're going to get into that a little bit next week as well. Um, I think that it's a, it's a lost theology in uh, the American church, especially. And um, I think that a good understanding of it brings healing to the soul, personally. Um, and uh, so you've been, you've been granted the opportunity to believe in Jesus, but you're also being granted the opportunity to suffer for Christ. And what that looks like on a daily basis, it's not, you know, I'm going to go out and put myself in harm's way or, or it, it, I, it's not that you're going out purposefully going, I'm going to go find somewhere to suffer for Jesus. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. What the, what, what the text is saying and throughout history, what Christians were doing is very simple. They were telling people about Jesus and it made people mad. Jesus is God. Caesar's not God. Jesus is God. It'd be the same thing like us today. Like, no, Biden is not God. Trump is not God. Jesus is God. And then they'd put you in jail because you said Jesus is God. You don't believe in their gods, but you believe in your own and you're telling them you need to believe in this God, Jesus, because he died for your sins. And he actually rose from the dead He's actually forever alive, like right now. And he's actually living in me right now. Whoa. Everybody say, whoa. <laughs> it's the Santa Cruz surfer in me, skater. Whoa. I know there's a lot in this last text that we didn't touch on, and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll touch on a little bit on it next week because it'll it's going to carry over. But you're, what's that? <laughs> Therefore, baby. I know, exactly. There you go. So only let your life, your manner of life, be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I want us to meditate upon that. And this last word in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, it says, Do you not know, speaking to the Corinthian church, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Then he says, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That's a tough one. It sounds easy enough, but it's a tough one. Glorify God in your body. I had a lot of, uh, uh, I had a rough upbringing and encountered a lot of addiction and a lot of issues as a teenager. And I um, uh, had some parents that went through that as well when I was younger and then they divorced and they, their, their life started getting on track, but my life was like out in the weeds. And uh, I had a dad that was chasing me down uh, later on and pursuing me and talking to me about Jesus and um, talking to me about what I was doing to myself through drugs and through the lifestyle that I chose. And he asked me point blank. He's like, can you do the things that you're doing to the glory of God? Meaning is God stoked about what you're doing. 
And even though I really wasn't in a place of like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And I, I, did have a, I did believe in a God. I was at least an agnostic. But I was raised a, a Christian in a Christian home. Went to the church as a child and all that stuff. But something began to tweak in me with that. He like, I don't know, he, he hit a, he swung a big sword and hit a spot in my heart that knocked some of that stone off and exposed a tender spot. And something started to, started to kind of shift. And it's something to think about for all of us. To live is Christ. Christ is alive in you. Your body, is, it's, not, it's not your own. You've been bought with a price. You belong to Jesus. His spirit's alive inside of you. He has a plan for your life. Wake up in the morning and ask him what it is for that day, for the next 10 minutes. When you're driving to work, when you're at work, there's a really good book, two things really quick. If you're curious about, people, about suffering in our, in our, on our planet for Christians, look up a website called The Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, some of you may already be familiar with it. I've, I've known some people um, that have been associated with that, with that group. And they keep up with the sufferings of our brothers and sisters across the globe who follow Jesus. And they are in places where we can't do this, or if we were and someone caught us right now, that we would be put in prison, it would not be good, or, or killed. And here it's easy to sit down and talk about these things, and it's easy to, you know, to sit down and be you know, an armchair theologian and start talking about Jesus. You know? and, and, but we live in a place where people you know, fought and died for this ability and opportunity to have freedom to do this. You go to some places and it, you can't do it. And um, The Voice of the Martyrs. And then there's a book um, called um, Practicing His Presence. And it's by Brother Lawrence. It's probably from the 14th century, I think. Um, he was a monk in the Middle Ages. And uh, he endeavored during his, his monkishness to, <laughs> can I say it that way or whatever? Um, to practice God's presence every single day, whatever he was doing, like washing the dishes, doing his work. Now, in a monk's life, you have specific times where you go to church and pray, where you pray in your room, where you go to mass and you take communion, and then you have your work. And you, but he wanted to, every minute of every day, practice the presence of Jesus. And I believe that that, that is a cool window into to live as Christ. To live is Christ. And practicing his presence in your life, um, I believe, opens, opens windows and doors for us to what his plans are. Amen? All right, I went 10 minutes over. I'm sorry, but let's pray. Lord, thank you for the blessing and opportunity to know you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that was shed for our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. I thank you, Jesus, that you are alive. You rose from the dead. And Lord, all of this was your idea. Our salvation, your rescue plan was all your idea. And I thank you, Lord, it was your idea to show us yourself, to bring us into communion with you, for us to experience your glory in new ways every single day until we breathe our last and we get to see you in the way that we've always longed to. 
I pray, Jesus, that you would let this word that Paul speaks about his convictions and about living for you and not worrying about death, and that is a sign to, to, to people that are persecuting us of their destruction. We don't have to walk around with fear because of who we know and what we know about who we know. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity in this room of amazing people. Bless the work of our hands the rest of this week and the meditations of our heart, Lord. May it be pleasing to you. Set us free, Lord, in our hearts and our minds from things that get in the way of living for you. In Jesus' mighty name, we said, amen. amen.